Hey friends, this is Rob. I just wanted to take a quick second to pass along some information, your direction, about, oh man, this whole thing, this whole coronavirus, this uh, COVID-19 that's going around. If you if you're if you've been following along with this podcast, you know that I am not someone that should be trusted to give any sort of medical advice. Uh, this is not in any way any sort of uh, scientific or clinical research uh, podcast. But but chances are you are like me and you are curious about this whole situation. Mainly in my mind, it comes down to two questions. One, how serious is it? And two, what should we do with the information we have right now? Here's the deal. The problem is there is more than ever before a distrust of the media. I feel like I'm constantly, especially in this situation, being pulled. I've heard anywhere from this people calling this a hoax, uh, that it's not the big deal, it's just like another flu. I've had I've heard some people uh, saying things that just seem super extreme to me, and I don't know where in between it falls. I mean, I just earlier today, I was making a run at Target here in Minneapolis, and it seems like people are going crazy here in Minnesota. They're, uh, I'm walking down aisles where uh, people there's like empty people have been like taking like buying up all the toilet paper and bottled water uh someone just sent me a picture of an aisle where there was someone had completely bought up all like the flu medicine and all the hand sanitizers should we be wearing like those face masks those medical masks does that do anything or we should be we wearing like what are the next steps to do also I know this is on a ton of your minds because so many of you have reached out uh, to me through the podcast hotline or writing in at the website. We'd mentioned our travel plans at the end of next month. Our plan uh, was to go to northern Italy, which is now completely shut down. The area we're going is at like a level four, so it's quarantined off. We couldn't even get there. But still, so we changed stuff around and our, our, still our flights are flying into London over to Zurich and then we were going to take that either to Germany or France, trying to figure that out right now. And then today, uh, there's like this legislation going on saying that uh, the president has closed down travel to Europe. So a lot of you have reached in saying, what do you what are your plans to do? Are you still going to go? Even if the ban is lifted, are you, do you plan on going? That is still up in the air. We're still trying to figure out what it is. As we are trying to figure out how serious this is, we want to be responsible. Uh, but until then, maybe I'll do maybe I'll do some uh, podcast episodes about that, about this travel, about it, and keep you up to date. But until then, I wanted to pass along to you some information that I found was based in fact from someone that I trust. Uh, this is coming from a guy named Mike McArgue, and he's a public educator. I'm going to just read, but if you haven't heard of Mike McArgue, he's better known to a lot of people as Science Mike. If you've never heard of him, here's a little bit of his bio. Mike McArgue is a public educator trusted by millions to use empathy and deep scientific insights to help them navigate some of the most difficult parts of the human experience. Mike has been featured in The Atlantic, The New York Times, The Washington Post, NPR, the Huffington Post, and scores of other notable publications. Mike is an in-demand speaker appearing all over the world, including appearances at Google and MIT. And his next book that's coming out called You Are a Miracle 
and A Pain in the Ass. That's a brilliant freaking title, by the way. It comes out April 28th of this year. I'm going to put a link to his website in the show notes below. But really, at the de- end of the day, at the baby, 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 at the end of the day, Mike is someone that I trust. And when I heard his opinion and how based, how factual it was, based in facts, uh, and it wasn't any of this like crazy emotional thing, I wanted to pass it along your way that it builds, that it adds some clarity to this whole situation for you. Um, maybe that's something. If you are, hey, if you know somebody. I'd love to invite someone on the podcast to have a conversation. Uh, if you know someone that is an expert in all of this and think they would be a good fit, feel free to reach out to me any of the regular ways. Uh, all right. But without further ado, here is Science Mike. Hey, everybody. Science Mike here. And... Um kind of in the middle of this period where I'm trying to figure out my role in public discourse, we're having a public health panic and crisis about COVID-19. And uh, as a science literate person, and as someone who has some experience in media communication, I thought it actually might be helpful if I took just a minute to talk about COVID-19, which has been called the coronavirus in media. I do have an episode of Ask Science Mike that I've recorded that was meant to come out Monday, but gosh, news is happening so quickly. I thought it would be helpful to all of you who follow me on Instagram to kind of hear about the science behind this and what the risks really are, because I'll, I'll be sincere here. I'll be honest. I'm so concerned about the media narratives that I see. I'm noticing that friends and family who are political conservatives are dismissing this very significant public health concern as some kind of liberal conspiracy to take down the president, that is not true. And at the same time, I'm finding that among affluent and progressive communities, there is a lot of misinformation involving uh, homeopathy on one side and also a lot of hoarding and resource uh, hoarding that will not help people avoid this disease or help from a public health perspective. So I just wanted to really quickly go over some facts, verified scientific facts about COVID-19, also known as the coronavirus. Okay, first of all, uh, this is not a disease which is comparable to influenza or the seasonal flu. Uh, I want to be really clear, this disease is new and therefore our body of knowledge about it is simply limited We don't know uh, the exact infection rate or the exact mortality rate for COVID-19. It's just too new. Most people who have it, have it right now. There are more people who have COVID-19 than there are people who have recovered from COVID-19. And that means it's just really hard for us to get good data. The early data that we have tells us that this disease appears to be more infectious than the seasonal flu, and likely has a greater overall mortality rate. That's uh, that's true. Um, we are seeing, especially for people who are 50 or older, especially people in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, the mortality rate for this disease can be very high. And for people who are immunocompromised, or people who have heart conditions, or other cardiovascular or pulmonary conditions, hypertension, obesity, all kinds of complicating health factors make this a very dangerous virus. Most people who are young 
and who are healthy face very little risk. But the further you get demographically from young and healthy, the more severe the health outcomes of COVID-19 are. These are facts. It means that the wave of cancellations that we're seeing right now across the global economy involving events is a wise and reasonable measure to slow the spread of this concerning disease. Now, I want to be clear. COVID-19 does not represent an existential threat to any human culture or civilization. This is not something that's going to wipe people out. Most people who get COVID-19 are going to be okay. So let's take a deep breath and know that. And I also want you to know that just because if you get COVID-19, you'll probably be okay, that does not absolve you from taking meaningful action to fight the spread of this disease because people you know and love, people who are human like you, deserve to benefit from herd immunity and a herd response to this very dangerous disorder. I think of dear friends of mine who are older, who have health conditions or are immunocompromised, and I am very afraid for them right now. So I'd like you to partner with me in taking wise steps of action. What are wise steps of action? What are reasonable things that people should be doing right now? Well, our goal is to flatten the curve. Uh, most recent uh, reports tell us that probably as much as 80% of people in the United States and across the world will get this disease. And it means if we poorly handle our response, a million or more people in the United States could die. That's not hyperbole. That's the opinion of qualified, trained medical experts who specialize in epidemics. We do not want a million people to die. That's not a thing that I'm interested in. I don't want older people to die. I don't want unhealthy people to die. I don't want immunocompromised people to die. I don't want Trump supporters to die or Biden supporters or Sanders supporters or anyone to die from a disease that we have the power to combat, even in the absence of a vaccine at this time. Here's what you can do to flatten the curve. If we're going to have 80% of the people probably get this virus, or as many, if that happens too quickly, it will overwhelm the United States healthcare system and the global healthcare system. And if that happens, there will be more deaths than necessary from COVID-19 and people will die from other medical events they would have survived because our healthcare system will be at its capacity. That means every single person, and I mean every person, has a responsibility to be aware and mindful of the actions they can take to slow the spread of this disease. Here's how you do it. Number one, you really focus on your personal hygiene. You wash your hands frequently, especially when you cough, when you sneeze, when you eat, when you use the restroom, or when you shake hands with other people, which right now you should probably discontinue doing, okay? Uh, but wash your hands often. Don't touch your face. Uh, it's easy for viruses to get in your bodies, through your eyes, through your nose, and through your mouth, because you have mucous membranes there. They're very porous. This is a way that viruses get into our bodies. When you wash your hands, you want to do for, so for 20 seconds, and you want to do what I do uh, when I pretend I'm a surgeon. I wash, I do my fingers together like this. I do my hands like this. I do my thumbs like this. I take my knuckles and do like this. 
right? So I'm thoroughly washing with soap and water my entire hands all around. Then using a paper towel to dry my hands and then using that paper towel to turn off the faucet, okay? Because you don't want to pick up a shed virus right from a surface that you've just turned on with dirty hands. Uh, you don't need a ton of paper towels, by the way. One paper towel will do it. So you're going to wash your hands often. You're not going to touch your face. When you're sick, you stay home from work. If you have an office job, you talk to your boss about remote working. And hopefully, if you're in a bigger company, they have a team right now that's planning ways to facilitate remote work at scale. That's an essential part of fighting this virus. And finally, the most important thing you can do is social distancing. We actually need to get in each other's physical proximity less often right now. It is wise for events to be canceled. It is wise to not get on an airplane unless you absolutely need to. You stay home with sick, you cancel unnecessary travel, and uh, you avoid large gatherings. These are very important movements. All the sporting events that have been canceled, that's good and that's necessary. We need to do more of that. And I'm leading here. I have a book tour coming up. I'm talking right now with my publisher about how to delay the in-person part of my book tour and still do online events with people city by city so that we don't shut down the economy, we don't stop being together and experiencing each other, but right now we shift more of that towards an online format like you and I are doing right now and minimize the amount of time we spend in large gatherings. You don't need to hoard supplies. Masks are for sick people to not make other people sick. If you buy masks, you basically steal them from hospitals who are having trouble acquiring them and they need them, okay? This is vital. Hospitals need masks. Immunocompromised people need masks. You don't need masks. You don't need to hoard bottled water. The water's going to stay on. You don't need to hoard toilet paper. You just want to be prepared to imagine you might miss a shopping trip or two. So just buy as you usually do, plus a little more. Don't go raid the supermarket and stuff your house full of piles of toilet paper or hand sanitizer, that kind of panic makes things worse than they should be. If we're careful, we can flatten the curve and we can collectively fight this disease. And we must. We owe it to the people in our lives who are more at risk from the virus, which, by the way, Science Mike, me, is one of those. I have heart disease. My risk from this virus is much higher than yours. Um, and so I speak not just on hypothetical immunocompromised or people with health challenges. I beg you, as someone who has a complementing health factor, to wash your hands, to avoid touching your face, to cut unnecessarily travel, and as much as possible, create this social distancing to slow the spread of this dangerous, but not the end of the world disease. Uh, I hope you all fare well as we go through this, and I'll be here doing more and regular updates on social media as we learn more about COVID-19. Thank you, friends. <laughs>